Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Hey. 
J.M. in the A.M. It's Ari Goldwag off of A.K.A. Excuse me, off of Acapella. Um, off of Acapella Soul, volume number six here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, you heard uh, Kolish with Mehera and Vahair. Ari Goldwag had Today's the Day. Adon Alam, that was again Kolish. Miami with Achas and from Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say... Good morning. And if I could just juggle all this material that I have in front of me, I'll be able to. There we go. <laughs> it's a Thursday on this May 16th, day 11 in the month of ER, the year 5779, Tufshinai and Tess. Welcome to a Thursday, all my beloved listeners around the world. Oh, by the way, speaking of around the world, someone commented on the app this morning that they davened this morning at the Red Door Shul, that's in Yerushalayim, and he points out, at least I think it's a he, uh, although now it's gold. I checked with the people at the Red Door. They claim it's bronze. So <laughs> I guess that's the great debate now in Jerusalem. Uh, but he does write, great to be in Yerushalayim. And I thank those who are listening around the world, both in the Holy Land and in lands outside the Holy Land, like right here in the USA. It's day 26 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number 26 in the counting of the Omer. Three weeks and five days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Fifty. Oh, and today is the Thursday of Bahab. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. 54 degrees outside with 90.1% humidity. Winds are southwest at 4 miles an hour. Partly cloudy today with a high of 72. Nice. Then tonight, partly cloudy, a low 55. Tomorrow afternoon, thunderstorms for Friday with a high temperature, 77 degrees. Not bad. Yerushalayim right now at 91.1 degrees. We're at 54 here in New York as we say good morning on a Thursday at JM in the AM. Uh, Dr. Faye Zakheim is going to join us. The Revitsons Conference has changed locations for this Sunday. We'll get the update from her coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Also, Jacob Kolchamiro, who is the pride of the Jewish world and for sure the pride of the, um, of the Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School. He came in second last week. You may recall we were discussing it literally a week ago. He came in second in the International Bible Contest, the Chidon HaTanach. And um, and we get a chance to speak with him coming up about that experience. I, 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 don't, I don't think if anyone ever has, then literally a small handful of people are in that category of uh, of non-Israelis or Americans in this case who have finished in the top two of the competition. So we'll speak to him coming up, and hopefully he will not quiz me on anything having to do with Tanakh. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't want to be embarrassed in front of all these people. Uh, so he'll join us. Also, uh, Shoshana Jaskal is scheduled to join us from Chachmat Nashim, and uh, um, uh, Mrs. Adina Schmidman as well. The OU Women's Leadership Summit's coming up, so hopefully they'll both join us in the 8 o'clock hour this morning. Here at JM and the AM. It's a Thursday, big schedule for us here at the Nahum Single Network. We're a week away from Lagba Omer. Lots going on, plenty to talk about, some wonderful guests, and I'm glad that you are uh, tuned in here at JM and the AM and uh, listening in on this uh, on this Thursday morning broadcast. Um I think we'll go to one more. The reason we're playing so much a cappella 
um, volume six, or, or Acapella Soul, I should say, volume number six, is because um, is because it's a brand new one. Ari Goldwag released this as a brand new uh, album, and it's uh, quite a wonderful collection. So we'll continue with one of the selections off of the brand new uh, Acapella uh, Soul volume number six with Ari Goldwag at JM in the AM. Yerushalayim, 
Sachen und Leute, Sachen und 
J.M. in the A.M. <coughs> Excuse me, with Mendy Werdiger and company. Hineni Muchan said before Svirata Omer. Ari Goldwag with Hineni. Hine done by A.K.A. Pella. J.M. in the A.M. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world of web and Nachumsegel.com on the Nachumsegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We've got Galei Tzal in the background. Our news from Israel is coming up. It's day 26 in the counting of the Omer, three weeks and five days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Today's also the Thursday of Bahab. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. Partly cloudy with a high of 72. Same for tonight with a low of 55, and tomorrow afternoon thunderstorms for Friday with a high temperature of 77 degrees. Don't forget weekly update tomorrow. Malcolm Honline will join us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up tomorrow, 740 Eastern Time, right here at JM in the AM. All right. I want to thank those who've been donating to our spring fundraiser. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our spring fundraiser is in full gear. Uh, hopefully you've gotten some of our gear. Not gear, gear to wear, but gear to uh, utilize. Our car magnet and our luggage tag. Hope you've gotten that in the mail. Also, you could log on to fjbunity.org and contribute that way. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from Jam Nam. Galitzal, Yerushalayim, Asha'a 2. Shalom Rav, Kan Rani Avnai, Ima Shekorei Achshav. גל לגזרות כלכליות בדרך, הממונה על התקציבים באוצר, שאול מרידור, מטריע, הבור בתקציב המדינה גדול. אנחנו עובדים על תוכניות להעלאת מיסים ולקיצוץ בהוצאות. כתבנו לענייני כלכלה, ניתאי ענבי, שמע אותו בכנס מכון אהרון. אנחנו מדברים כרגע על פערים די גדולים, בסכומים גבוהים שלא הכרנו בשנים האחרונות, שצריך לכנס בתקציב 2020. המשמעות תהיה בלית ברירה, גם בצד ההכנסות וגם בצד ההוצאות, והדברים האלה יגיעו לממשלה החדשה, אנחנו סט של פעולות שצריך לעשות, אבל אני רוצה לתת ספוילר קל, זה לא יהיה. בתוך כך, על פי נתוני הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה, חל זינוק חד בצמיחה במשק ברבעון האחרון של השנה, ויומנת על חמישה אחוזים ושתי עשיריות. הסיבה לנתון החריג, יבוא מוגבר של כלי רכב לקראת עליית המס. גל תקיפות בתל אביב, גבר בשנות ה-60 לחייו נעצר בחשד שתקף עוברת אורח ברחוב בוגרשוב. זהו החשוד הרביעי שנעצר בימים האחרונים באותו האזור. כתבתנו ליה ספילקין. היצור דר רחוב, חשוד שתקף אתמול את הצעירה בזמן שהלכה עם חברתה. הוא הכר אותה בפניה ונמלט מהמקום. היום תבקש המשטרה להאריך את מעצרו בדיון בעניינו. מדובר בחשוד הרביעי שנעצר לאחר שעוברי אורח הותקפו ברחוב בוגרשוב ללא סיבה נראית לעין. 
שופט שלום בירושלים שלח למעצר אדם עם בעיות בריאותיות ומוכר כחולה נפש, שנקבע שאפשר לשחררו למעצר בית, כיוון שעורך דינו איתר חלופה כזו רק בסוף הדיון. את החלופה למעצר בית לא היה ניתן להשיג עקב מצבו הנפשי של החשוד שלא תקשר עם עורך הדין. כתבנו יובל שגב שהביא את הפרטים לראשונה מציין כי השופט בחר שלא לבחון בהליך קצר את בני המשפחה שאותרו עקב אילוצי זמן. דני בר דוד, עורך הדין שמייצג את החשוד, שוחח עם גל גבאי ואפי בן אברהם בגלי צה"ל. המשטרה החליטה לעשות את מה שקל לה, לעצור את אותו חולה ולבקש למחרת את הארכת המעצר שלו. פנינו בערב לפני הדיון אל בית המשפט כדי שיבקש לשחרר אותו. בית המשפט קבע שהוא לא מוכן לקיים דיון גם בערב. כשהגענו, בית המשפט אמר, אין לו זמן לשמוע. בסופו של דבר, עם כל העומס, זה דיון של עשר דקות. לראשונה בעולם הוגשה תביעה שקושרת בין ההתחממות הגלובלית לפגיעה בזכויות אדם. תושבי קבוצת האיים טורו סטרייט מאשימים את ממשלת אוסטרליה בהפרת זכויות אדם כיוון שנכשלה בהתמודדות עם שינויי האקלים. התובעת הראשית בתיק סיפרה על יומן החוץ בגלי צה"ל על הנזק שנגרם לתושבים. האם שלהם נמצאים מטרים בודדים מעל גובה הים והגאות כבר משפיעה באופן קבוע על חייהם? השינויים באקלים משפיעה על הזכות של בני המיעוט לקיים את התרבות שלהם, לחיות בבית שלהם, ובעצם... גם על הזכות לחיים. הרעיון המלא ישודר מיד ביומן החוץ בהגשת דניאל זילברשטיין. כתב אישום בגין איומים ותקיפה הוגש נגד תושב הרצליה שירק אתמול על שגריר פולין בישראל. מזג האוויר יוסיף להיות שרבי מחר חם יותר. ולסיום ברכות למחזיקת גביע המדינה בכדורגל בני יהודה שניצחה אמש בתום דו-קרב פנדלים את מכבי נתניה. קפטן הקבוצה איציק עזוז שוחח עם עידן קבלר ובוני גינצבורג בגלי צה"ל. גביע שני תוך שלוש שנים משהו מטורף. בגביע הראשון אף אחד לא באמת נתן לנו סיכוי נגד מכבי, והגביע הזה הוא קצת שונה, כי באמת הסיכויים היו כבר 50-50, וכולם האמינו שאפשר אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. I'll take the ride on the eagle's wings until I'm able to 
J.M. in the A.M. with Ari Goldwag. It's Curry Bone. Im Lovun before that with A.K.A. Pella. Schlock Rock off of Schlockapella with the holiday of Tishabov. 16 minutes after 7 o'clock on this Thursday morning. It's day 26 in the counting of the Omer. Day 26. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Uh, well, Dr. Fagy Zakheim is with us live via telephone. She's always with us in different capacities. And uh, today we get to discuss... The amazing Rebitson's conference that's happening this Sunday. And as I said earlier, we have a very, very important announcement. Uh, because not only do we, want, do we want to encourage the last few Rebitson's who are not yet registered to register, we also want to tell everybody that the venue has been changed for this coming Sunday. And that's extremely important. The 20th annual Rebitson's conference this coming Sunday in Brooklyn, New York. Dr. Fagy Zakheim, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. It is so good to be on. It's great to hear your voice all the time, Appreci- right and early in the morning. I don't know how you do it, but you're just awesome. <laughs> Appreciate but that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. A pleasure. So, so there are really two things. Number one, we do want, as we always do, anybody who has not yet registered, make sure to do so today. But more importantly for this year, you've actually changed the venue. You've changed the address of the Rebitsons Conference for this coming Sunday. So just take us through that and let us know what's going on. Okay, let me start by saying that the Rebitsons Conference is the same one as it has always been for the past 19 years. And it's sponsored by the United Task Force, by the whole task force, the whole coalition of over 40 agencies that work together, that meet all the time, once every six weeks to discuss different issues that are going on in the Orthodox Jewish community. Right. And for the past 19 years, we've been doing it at a wonderful place in Borough Park at Kal Hasidim. We love Kal Hasidim. We love the Silver Family. And that's been wonderful. A lot of people that, were, that wanted to come have been requesting that we try another place, try a different time, just because they thought it might be more convenient. And we figured, okay, we'll give it a try. So we did a lot of changes. We changed it from it being on a Tuesday afternoon at 11.30 in the morning for a brunch. And we moved it to a Sunday morning at 9.30 brunch. Hmm. So that's really important that we did that because a lot of the Rebitsons said that Tuesdays are difficult because a lot of them, are, in addition to being Rebitsons, because Rebitsons work really, really hard, they are also teachers or principals of schools. So they said on Sunday, that's their day off. Could you please try to do it on Sunday mornings? So we went around looking for different places, and we found one in, in Flatbush, and we were very excited about it. So that, that's the first change. It's Sunday morning, 9.30 in the morning. Right. 
Um, I know none of us like changes, but we think this is a very positive change. The numbers have been coming in really well, so maybe it was a great idea to move it over to Sunday morning at 930. I think it And was. try something new. Mm-hmm. The second thing was that we did it at a place on Nostrand Avenue that we looked at, but we found out from the, you know, we all have to listen to our rabbis. First and foremost, most important, uh, when Rabbanim give a psaac or Rabbanim say something, we all have to follow through on the rabbis. The rabbis were uncomfortable with the place that we had, which is very important. So the rabbis put in a request and asked us to please move it over to another place. And not only did they ask us to move it to another place, they were very nice. They gave us another place. They gave us a shul, Rabbi Tzvi Tversky's shul. Um, the name of the shul is Base Medrash, Medrash Makarov. Right. It's very easily accessible. It's a great location. I drove over there to look at it myself. It's 3116 Quentin Road. It's in Marine Park. It's on, the, it's on the avenue. It's on Quentin Road, so it's very easy to get there. And it's between 30th and 31st Street. You can't miss it. There's a big sign on top that says the name of the shul, that says Base Medrash Makarov. And if you come there, we will all be there waiting with our big smiles for all the Revisons. We are so looking forward to seeing everybody. If anybody has any problem, they can call the number on the flyer. And I don't mind. I'm going to give my phone number, my personal text number, um, if you don't mind, so that if anybody feels like they can't find it, which they can, because the building is big and beautiful, we'll all be there. There'll be a lot of ladies waiting outside to, to host them and to bring them inside. And we're very excited because we feel that when you listen to the Rabbanim and you don't make a big deal out of it, and the Rabbanim say, we're not comfortable with this particular place. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but if Rabbanim say, we are not comfortable with this particular place, we are asking for you to make it in a different place, what do we do? We go with the Rabbanim. These are very holy Rabbanim. These are Rabbanim that we really, really respect. And I'm just very excited because I went in to look at the shul, and I love it. I think it's a beautiful place. And the interesting thing is that when we had it at the other place, the RSVPs weren't really coming in. When we switched to this place, they, they skyrocketed. So come in. Be ready. It's very cozy. It's going to be a bagel appetizing um, kind of selection. And food is going to be beautiful. It's by Mayor Whiteman. He put it together with a party planner. And Sunday morning, 930 Quentin Road, 30th Street. And my phone number is 917-627-3626, 917-627-3626. That's my personal number. Of course, for the RSVP, it's right there on the flyer. The flyer is going to be in the FJJ, in the Queens um, newspapers. It's in a lot of different newspapers. The RSVP on the flyer is to Judy Steinick, who's from the OU, at 212-613-8188. Everything is on it. We want to give a special thanks to Hannah White from Turo, who was the head of the committee and worked so unbelievably. Hindy Klein from OHEL, Dr. Hindy Klein from OHEL, who has been wonderful. Uh, Shandy Gerwitz from Makar, Aviva Hach from Magain, and, of course, Ruchama Klapman, who is always helping the Klal from Mask. So, again, we thank everybody. And one more time, it is going to be at this new location at Base Medrash Makarov, and it's on Quentin Road. It's a beautiful shul, and it's all just very, very, very exciting. I think you will really enjoy it. 
I think everybody will really enjoy it. It's been, I can't wait to get there and see all the Rebbitsons again. I miss everybody. And, hey, it's our 20th year, Nachum, doing this. Yeah, and a lot. And some Rebbitsons, uh, you know, may not have been there last year or may, you know, you may not have seen them in a while. They should make sure to register and RSVP today, the 20th Annual Rebitsons Conference, Promoting and Enhancing Healthy Family Relationships, will have guest speaker Esther Ween, a Torah educator and lecturer, Rabbi Daniel Frank, on mar- a, a marriage and family therapist in private practice, and the uh, hosting Rebitson, Rebitson Esther Reisman, uh, from the Agudas Yisrael of Madison, will speak as well. All this coming Sunday at 9.30 in the morning at Base Medrash Makarov, Note the new location and obviously the new address, 3116 Quentin Road in Brooklyn, New York. Again, uh, it's happening at Base Meadows Makarov, 3116 Quentin Road in Brooklyn at 930 this coming Sunday. Complimentary brunch will be served. RSVP is required. You can utilize the uh, phone number for Rebbitz and Judy Steinig at area code 212-613-8188, 212-613-8188. Eight one eight eight, and as you heard Doctor Zuckheim say, feel free to use her personal number at nine one seven six two seven three six two six. That's nine one seven six two seven three six two six. And of course, this is all brought to you by the United Task Force. Uh, all the organizations together um, presenting the Robertson's Conference. Doctors, no, thank you. Now, while I have you on the phone, can I just say thank you for a moment? Sure. <laughs> this, okay, this program that you are doing on for Holocaust survivors on Tuesday mornings and on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., I can't believe how amazing you are. I am getting phone calls from Holocaust survivors who are sitting in their homes. They have nobody coming to visit them a lot. They're sitting there, especially this week with such a rainy week. And they're sitting there. They don't really have anybody to connect to. And they have Nachum Siegel at 10 o'clock every Tuesday morning, especially Nachum Siegel, especially for the Holocaust survivors, for them. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m., Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. The interviews and the people that you are interviewing are fabulous. Shia Rubenstein singing on the phone for them just brought tears to my eyes. I just want to thank you so much for thinking about them and for doing this very, very special program for Holocaust survivors and entering into their home at 10 a.m. in the morning, on Tuesday mornings and on Wednesday mornings. And thank you so very, very much, Nachum. I think you're an amazing person, and I thank you. On behalf of the entire United Task Force, on behalf of the entire Jewish community, I thank you for your high-spiritedness, and I thank you for going into the homes of the Holocaust survivors with your positivity. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that, and a big, big uh, thank you to the United Task Force. And I do want to make one point, uh, since you brought up this topic, um, and I'm not minimizing the content. I'm very happy and proud of the content of this show, and you're, you're mostly responsible for that, so I thank you for that. Uh, but, but one other important thing, sometimes it's just important to tell people, or in this case, a group of people, that people are thinking about them. And the fact that this program exists, and again, I'm not minimizing the content. I agree with you. It's, it's good, it's fun, and it's informative. But just that we're saying as a community to the Holocaust survivors that we are thinking of you, I think goes a long way. Thank so, you. There you go on that. And, yeah. and good luck on Sunday. I'm sure it'll be amazing with all the Rebitsons in Brooklyn. I'll definitely report back to you afterwards. I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited about it. The United Task Force is so excited about it. And it's just an honor to be working with all these amazing agencies. I wish I could name all the agencies, but I know you'll cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> but it is truly an honor to be working with all of these agencies. And the executive committee that we work with, with Dr. Schindler and Dr. Dr. Bender 
and um, with Baruch Bear Bender and Rabbi Becker and Hindi Klein and Dr. Rosenshine. It's just, it's just amazing. And Dr. Bieberfeld, it's an amazing committee. It's an amazing bunch of people that just want to help the community at large. And it's just an honor to be working with people that care about the cloud and care about mental health issues. And it's just it's wonderful that we have a world. The rest of the world doesn't have what we have. We have a beautiful, beautiful from world. Hatzalah, Chaverim, Shomrim. Nobody else has this. It's just beautiful that we're all out there to help each other so much. Sister to sister, my extended family from divorce, agencies, one after another after another, that just come in and they want to work together just to help the call and to help people that aren't as fortunate or and just to help. It's just an amazing thing. We are an amazing, an amazing group of people us from Jews. We are very, very, very amazing. And very, very lucky to say the least. Um, feel free for the Rebbitzins Conference to speak with Judy Steinig at the uh, RSVP number or be in direct contact with Dr. Faye Zakheim at 917-627-3626. Thank you, Faye. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A pre- Have a great day. And thank a good you. A great day. Good have again to Benjamin. Thank you very, very much. And have a wonderful day and a good Shabbos. We thank you very much for that. Day 26 in the counting of the Omer, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Arav Zebun Yosef Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Our Chachomim tell us that when an individual is going through a Nisayon, a challenge, the Mayonos HaChachma, the gates of wisdom, and all the wellsprings are close to him. The Pasuk tells us, Vaishlach Avram es Yadoi. Avram sent forth his hand, and he took the knife to Shecht, his son. The Targum Yonason explains that Avram Avinu looked into the eyes of Yitzchok, and the eyes of Yitzchok looked at the Malachi Asharis, the angels. Yitzchak saw the Malachi Asharis, however, Avraham Avinu did not see them. The Berachim asked the question, if the Malachim were there, then why didn't Avraham Avinu see them? Because Yitzchak was already on the Mizbeach. He couldn't do anything at that point to prevent the Shechita from taking place. Since his Nisayon was already complete, Hashem opened his eyes and he could see all the malochim that were surrounding him. But Avram Avinu, he was in the middle of the Nisayun. He was still in the midst of the challenge. The knife was still in his hands. Because of that, he didn't get the revelation. At the time of Nisayun, a person is not zocha to that or elyon, that light from above. Only after someone stands bigvura after they have the capability to overcome the challenge, and they're menatzeach, they're victorious, then Hashem reveals to him how all of the Pamal Yashomayla, the heavenly court, look to us to withstand the Nisayun and to be a Nachas Ruach to Hashem. An individual should know that we have the power to be Meskaber over the Yitzhahara that sets up challenges in life that try to drag us through the depths. Omar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem said, Enayim Your eyes, 
Yesh besochan lavon b'shachar. There is a white part and there is a dark part. Ve'ein atoroa mitocha lavon. You don't see by the white part el mitocha shachar, but rather through the dark, through the black part, we're able to see. The Sifzei Tzadik explains that a person sees with the black because only when he looks in the darkness, the haster panim, can the or, can the light be revealed. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Come
Kiva 
Thursday morning, it's day 26 in the counting of the Omer. Well, some of you may recall, uh, that was Cole Zimra with Kiva Moed, Ari Goldwag with Katonti and Keladon before that. Some of you may recall when we visited the um, Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy, Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School a few weeks back, we had a lot of wonderful students, a lot of wonderful students who were on the air with us. One of them was um, Jacob Kolchamiro. And I think we discussed at that time in our conversation the uh, national and uh, what would uh, eventually be for him the international Bible contest, the Chidona Tanakh. We did not realize at the time that he would end up on Yom Atzmut, Israel Independence Day, finishing second in the world in a competition where generally the top spots are dominated by residents of Israel. But he would be the pride of Kushner, the pride of New Jersey, and the pride of the diaspora by being the uh, the highest finisher of the diaspora students and by ending up in second place, which is a major accomplishment in the Chidon Tanach. Jacob Kolchamiro, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me. Do you remember our conversation at the Kushner School? I remember it very well. And... Um, you go to and and we'll work our way backwards because I do want to speak about the process. But let's just talk about last week because we made a really big deal about it here during our Yom Ha'atzmaut special, and we were so proud that you had uh, finished where you did during the competition. Uh, am, am I being accurate that that non-Israelis do not win this thing, and they that and that when a non-Israeli finishes as high as you did, non-Israeli resident as high as you did, it's a really a big deal. I mean, I don't think. 
personally, it's that big a deal. But um, <laughs> it's true that typically Israel does take the top spot. Um, once I got to that point in the competition, it would have been nice if I could have taken away one better spot from them. But um, but I still think they typically take, uh, I think last year they took the top four spots and they sent four people. So, um, so yeah, I can see why people would think like that. What happened in the end? Because we're not really that familiar with the format. Was Did this come down to the last question or is it an elimination type thing toward the end where it could really go on forever if you and your competitor keep answering the questions correctly? Okay, so um, they there are 16 people on the stage, and then they slowly narrow that down until there are two, and then they give each of the each of the final two um, 12 questions each, and um, I ended up getting I think it was the tenth one wrong, um, but there were a few other ones I should have known the one that I got wrong, but there were plenty of other ones that I wasn't really. Uh, I wasn't really sure about, so uh, so I earned at least one. I earned at least one error at the end of the day. So you, so you, uh, so you leave there as an international hero, yet you're still kicking yourself for not getting the question right. A little bit, but like I said, there are there are other ones that I really shouldn't have gotten. I got a little bit lucky on, so I can't be too disappointed about the one that I got wrong. The um, the guy who won Jonathan Weissman, I think he was um, his knowledge was I think better than the. More better than me than the two points that he won by, so um, so he deserved it. So I can't be too upset. Wow, Jacob Kohamiro is with us from uh, the Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School, the Chatan Hatfutzot, the highest finisher in the international Bible contest from outside of Israel, and finished in second place. You were asked a question or two, or or tell me how many by the Prime Minister, correct? Oh uh, yeah, so. Um, when there are four people, I believe, left, um, there's a prime minister around, and he asks eight questions. Um, and that's more of a, um, a written round where um, all four of the people get the same questions. They don't take turns asking people different questions. So the prime minister asks eight questions to, um, to the four finalists. Did he, sp- um, and- Did he speak to you in English or do anything you know, different or noteworthy because you were from the diaspora? No, not really. I think he just treated it normally. Um, I got spoken to in Hebrew. I mean, I guess he saw that I was. I mean, I was speaking to the uh, to the moderator and um, and the other contestants in Hebrew while right. I was there. Um, I've gone to Kushner for many years, and their Hebrew department is pretty solid, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, um, so my Hebrew was good enough to uh, to get along in Israel in the competition. So he spoke to me in Hebrew, and, but I didn't really get the chance to have a long conversation with him or anything. And did he? And did he in any way acknowledge or realize that you were from the Kushner School, a name that he's very familiar with? Um, I don't remember. Um, I don't. I don't think so. Um, he might have had a conversation with someone after. I don't. I don't really know. Um. He didn't say anything to me personally about Kushner when I when I ran into him. And, and remind me, uh, remind us what the bulk of the material was. I know you told us this when we visited you in Livingston, New Jersey, at the beautiful Kushner High School. Just remind me, you know, the bulk of your study was in what area of Tanakh? Oh, so it was a little bit spread out. There were like 400 chapters or something around that number, um, and it wasn't all concentrated in one section. I would say the um, the primary focus of the um, of the questions that they ask are from Nevi'im Rishonim, the uh, the early prophets. Um, but in order to um, in order to do well in the competition, 
you um, you really have to um, have to be able to get questions right from um, from all of the areas that they test on, which really spans from Horatio to Tiferet um, um the vast majority of the Tanakh. Was Rabbi David Hamudot helpful in your process? A hundred percent. So Kushner uh, Kushner supplied me with a great teacher, Rabbi Hamudot, and um, he tested me towards the end of the competition. He was testing me twice a week um, for a large portion of the year. It was once a week, but um, but he was really dedicated. His questions were spot on, and um, I'm really grateful that uh, that he was there and helping me like that. And um, and he was a great teacher. And what was the reaction of Rabbi Rubin and the hundreds of students at Kushner when you got back to school after Yom Mode? Yeah, so I might even say that it was um, that it was slightly excessive. Um, <laughs> there was a um, I got home. There was a massive poster, whatever you want to call it. Um, with uh, with a picture of me on it, um, <laughs> so that, that was a surprise. And then there was a uh, there was like a whole assembly or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I got more sperm in there because I didn't get enough gifts <laughs> in the last couple of days. Um, it was it was a very touching experience. When I got back, they made a really big deal out of it. Um, Sounds. I mean, I don't really need a big deal out of things. Um, but um, but it was nice nonetheless. Sounds like there was a ticker tape parade on South Orange Avenue, almost, huh? <laughs> Practically. As close <laughs> as you can get to that from a Torah competition. And I can only imagine, I mean, knowing both Rabbi Rubin and, your, and the faculty at Kushner and the pride they take in really, you know, uh, uh, inundating, uh, and I say that in the nicest way possible, uh, their curriculum and their students with Tanakh. And they take it so seriously, thank God. I can only imagine just how happy they were uh, that, the, that the school got all this uh, noteworthy attention because of your accomplishment. It must have been every, Everybody must have been in a great mood when you got back. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and they deserve the attention because really it was the school's Tanakh department and Torah department that got me, um, that got me into doing this. Um, I had a lot of really great teachers uh, throughout my years at Kushir. I'm glad I still have another two. Um, you're, but, um, you're but, yeah, the the reaction was very touching, um, and the teachers were so nice to me when I got back. And yeah, I hope the school gets a uh, uh, share of the attention too because they were uh, a major part of it. You're only in tenth grade. Yes. Everybody in the competition were tenth graders. No, no, no. So um, I think you could be anywhere from anywhere in high school, I believe. I know three of the four Israelis. The one that I lost to is uh, is a senior. Um, I'd say the majority of the kids were slightly older than me, but there were um, there were there were a few that were younger, and there were plenty that were my age as well. Are you eligible to go back? So this is the sad part. I'm not. Um, once you participate in the international level, you can't re-enter into the national level. So I can't qualify for anything anymore. Um, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that I can maybe coach people or make practice tests or something, so I can still stay uh, somewhat affiliated in some way with the uh, with the Chidon because this year was uh, I mean it was a major part of my life. So it's kind of sad. Like, what am I supposed to do right now? Wow. Um, so I have another half of Tanakh to learn. So that's something. <laughs> but um, but it would be nice if I can uh, if I can remain directly related to the Chidon as well. Wow. Uh, Very nice. It's a it's quite a it's, it's quite a wonderful goal. Well, um, we take great pride. You know, we have New Jersey and Kushner roots, and uh, we were so thrilled to 
hear the results, and we were extra thrilled when we realized that you had been on our show just a few weeks before and speaking about the Chidona Tanakh. So what can we say other than Mazal Tov? And thank you for uh, thank you for all the pride you brought us one week ago on Yom Hatzmot. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. Jacob Kolchamiro, Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School, Chatan Hatzfutzot, highest-ranking Chidona Tanakh um, participant from the diaspora and second place in the entire Chidona Tanakh, the one that includes all the Israelis and those who might be even more familiar as they go through their younger years in school uh, with Tanakh and with the Hebrew language. Mazal tov to Jacob Kolchamiro and his entire family and Rabbi Rubin and the entire Kushner family, and I mean the Kushner school family from all of us here at JM in the AM. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. J.M. and the A.M. Thursday, day 26 in the counting of the Omer. Also the Thursday of Bahab. Uh, day 26, three weeks and five days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today at Shlomi Kaufman with Hafachta here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, many of you um, heard the news from us early last week uh, that Dr. Vivian Mann had passed away, and uh, Dr. Mann, of course, uh, the mother of our very own Miriam L. Wallach, general manager of the Nahum Siegel Network, who you've gotten to know over the last eight years. And Miriam returns to the air today during the That's Life program starting at 10.30 Eastern time. But before she does, I wanted to make sure to offer on behalf of our uh, staff and audience our condolences and speak for a moment about um, all the things that we, as uh, outsiders of her family, learned about her mother over the last few days. Miriam L. Wallach, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. Good morning. Good morning. First of all, of course, uh, there are a lot of people, not just our own staff and uh, NSN family, but a lot of people out there in our audience who 
feel a special closeness to you because of your uh, involvement here and speaking to so many of them um, over the last eight years. So on behalf of all of us, we offer our condolences and the loss of your mother to you and your brothers and the entire family, of course. And um, Shiva just concluded this uh, this past Monday. Um, so number one, accept our condolences and, uh, and our good wishes at this time. Thank you. I, I appreciate your good wishes and your condolences now. And certainly over the last week and change, I have received um, both on, you know, on a personal level and on behalf of my entire family, an unbelievable outpouring of support and love and kindness um, from listeners, from sponsors, of course, from our team members of the Nachum Siegel Network. And it's really been um, a, a tremendous source of strength during what has been a rather challenging time. And uh, many people know, uh, that's life. Before my mother passed away, I had uh, been speaking to Alana Silver from Sharsheret. And um, that was a particularly challenging show for me because um, we, my mother had already been in hospice for a couple of weeks, and unfortunately we were just waiting um, we were just waiting, and so Alana was incredibly generous and, and exactly the right person to have on, frankly, that that show. But I ended my show with good wishes for Bissarot Tovot, and I'm sure that listeners who are um, familiar with my send-off on that life recognize that, first of all, yes, it was Yom HaShoah V'Hadburah, and so my tone was was somber to begin with, but personally I was going through my own trials. And so I'm sure listeners understood from both the sound of my voice, the tone of my voice, and my send-off that something was just not right. And uh, it would just be a few days later that my mother passed away, and the Levaya was a week ago Tuesday. Um, she had died on Rosh Chodesh ER, and... Um, I got up from Shiva on Monday, as you had mentioned, and slowly transitioning back into work and slowly back into life into what is a new reality. And that's life today will be the first the first show in what I consider a new chapter in my life. Oh, well understood. And uh, those who are listening who have uh, been there in a similar situation know exactly what you mean. Miriam L. Wallach is with us live via telephone. We're speaking with her. After having, uh, after she having gotten up uh, from Shiva this past Monday, after observing Shiva uh, on the loss of her mother, and uh, I mentioned uh, your mother's um, a name, Doctor Vivian Mann. There are people in this audience, no doubt, to whom that name uh, is significant, and I say it in that manner because uh, some of us did not realize. Uh, until now, uh, the extent to which she was known in the Jewish world and uh, specifically in the uh, world of art and culture, um, could you give us a couple of minutes? And I know it's hard, <laughs> especially after coming through you know an entire Shiva period where you had a, a, unlimited time to discuss this. Um, can you give us a couple of minutes and describe just uh, describe the work that your mother did? and just how significant it was for the worldwide Jewish community. I will do my best. Um, my mother was 
a curator and an art historian in the field of Judaica. She had been at the Met for three years and then was a curator of Judaica at the Jewish Museum on 92nd and 5th for about 30 years. After her retirement there, she continued at JTS at the Jewish Theological Seminary, where she was a professor, and she had founded a master's program in Jewish art, understanding that the next generation of Jewish historians, of Jewish art historians, needed to be trained, because our entire people needed to be remembered from start to finish, and for communities and towns and cities and lives needed to be remembered, and their stories needed to be told through the artifacts which they left behind. And obviously, we all take tremendous pride in the Hanukkah that we use in our homes and the Kiddush cups that we use in our homes, and for good reason. But what about the ones that were hundreds of years old? What about the ones that survived the Holocaust? And so it would be those stories for for a prolific 40-year career that my mother would bring to life. And she had the mind of a generation. She was an exemplary um, professor and mentor and writer. She, there's, a, there's a treasure trove of, of literature which she penned. And while we, during Shiva, had a table set up in the back of you know, my dining room and then in my brother's house with um, 11 of her books and her, the diploma from, that she received for her Ph.D. from NYU in 1977 at a time that women were not getting graduate degrees. Um, my mother's Talmud Muvhak, her most special student or most prized student or most exemplary student, mentioned to me that we had about 3% of her scholarship on that table. <laughs> of course, we were wondering what we were missing, but we thought we were doing a good job of giving a sample. Well, I don't know if 3% counts as a sample, maybe a meager sample, but it was, a, it was just a tribute so that people, when they came in to pay Shiva call, they could just get a glimpse of what she was about. Um, I, I hope we'll have an opportunity today because you'll be live in studio with me during our live lunch starting at 11 o'clock after that's live, so I hope we have an opportunity to discuss this a little bit further, but uh, you know the and and the point you made about women and the advanced degrees. You know, point well taken. Uh, you know, women in general in our community. You know, they, they were probably even further behind than the general community when it came to areas like that in the '60s and '70s. The point well taken. But also, when when you think of brilliance, men or women in our community, when you think of those who have this unique capacity uh, to both retain information and to transmit information. Uh, you think about the medical field in our community. You know that's that's what they're going to pursue. The political field, maybe you know, field of thought, philosophy, history, etc. Was it? Was it? Um, I don't know. Was it? Was it unusual uh, that she took this route? Was it unusual that she went ahead and used all those tools that she had for the area of Jewish art and culture? You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily think so. Um, simply because my mother had a knack for appreciating the unappreciated. And, um, and she also was a, an absolute champion of, of heritage and of lineage. 
and of paying attention to those who came before us and making sure to continue their mission. And so while she hadn't been trained in Judaica, she had been classically trained in medieval art. Um, She blew that door open once she realized that there was a niche here that she could develop. And at a time in the 70s where people were not recognizing the impact of Judaica on the story of the Jewish people, but she recognized it and could speak Hebrew and could read Hebrew fluently, she basically opened up an entire field of study to the world that had never been recognized. And I was going to say, you'd have to use the word revolutionary for her. Correct. She was a revolutionary in in so many ways and appreciated the fact that she was doing things. And, and, I mean, glass ceilings, you could talk glass ceilings all you want. You know, she wasn't there to make a point of a woman doing these things. She had a mission, and her mission was noble. And so it wasn't about the politics, and it wasn't about this. It was about bringing to life the story of the Jewish people and making sure those stories were heard for generations. And and that, to me, is her everlasting precious legacy. And um, I think the, the, the thing that gave me the biggest chuckle in the last uh, couple of weeks is when I I asked you about the last 20 years or so of her life being spent on the Upper East Side and why she gravitated toward that neighborhood, and you said to me simply, she needed to be close to the museums, which which I thought... She needed to be close to the museums, 100%, and also, I really do not want to overlook the fact that my mom went to Ramaz in the 50s, and she learned to love Gemara at home, and then that love was developed and blossomed in the sheer of Rabbi Haskell Lookstein. In, when she was 15, and we were honored to have Rabbi Lookstein be masked her and lead her and officiate at her funeral just last week. It was a real coming, it was a real full circle kind of event, and we took tremendous, tremendous nechama in that, tremendous comfort. At 10.30 this morning, Miriam Alwalik uh, resumes the live editions of uh, That's Life. Her guest today will be a noted author and illustrator, Ann Kofsky. I'm not going to go into detail this moment, but I will tell you that it is a very timely and a very important topic. I suggest everybody tune in to, to uh, hear Miriam speak with Ann Kofsky today, starting at 10.30 Eastern time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And as I said, hopefully we'll have an opportunity during the live lunch to explore things a little bit further about the last uh, few weeks and about the lifetime of Dr. Vivian Mann. And Miriam, as, as I said earlier, on behalf of the staff, your family here at NSN, and obviously the extended family that we share with these thousands and thousands of listeners around the world, uh, our condolences on the loss of your mother to you and the entire family. We should all celebrate Smachot together. Thank you. And Nahum, thank you to you and Yoni and Mark and Avrami and Yigal and everyone who filled in while I've been out. I appreciate it. The least we could do. Thursday morning broadcast. More coming up if you keep it here at JM in the AM.
Thursday morning, day 26 in the counting of the Omer. Thursday of Bahab. Omer is three weeks and five days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Shoshana Jaskal is with us live via telephone. She is the co-founder of Chochmat Nashim. We'll find out in a minute what that is. Uh, the reason she's joining us now is because the organization Chochmat Nashim is... Um, is one of the eligible organizations for a big, big idea uh, grant, which is available from the UJA Federation of New York. And we, as members of the community, have an opportunity to influence uh, this vote and the um, and the people that uh, 
receive funds for their projects. So first I'll say Shoshana Jasko, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. I appreciate that. And we'll get to Chachmat Nashim in a moment. Let me just give a little background to people in terms of what the UJA Federation has said about this procedure. The UJA Federation, and you can go to ujafedny.org, ujafedny.org, has $150,000 to advance one big idea that deepens the connection between New Yorkers and Israelis around shared goals. And you, meaning us, decide where it goes. It's All in the Family is a campaign created to encourage Israeli and American Jews to work alongside each other to improve our communities and solve shared challenges. The ultimate goal is to complete a project that achieves our vision of a strong global family. There are five finalists. Um, Each one has been asked to prepare a video that responds to the following. In 15 seconds, tell us what the problem is you're trying to solve. How does your solution bring together New Yorkers and Israelis? What's unique about your approach? And why is it important right now? You can learn about all these projects by going to the website. The one that um, the one that Shoshana Joskal is uh, promoting is campaigning for on the UJA Federation website is Chachmat Nashim. And now we can find out from her exactly what that's all about. Shoshana, thank you for uh, being patient during my, <laughs> my, my review of the procedural aspect of this thing. And obviously we'll remind people once you finish your presentation exactly how to, how to vote and how to do all this. Tell us what is Chachmat Nashim, that, uh, the organization that you co-founded. So Chachmat Nashim is um, actually it's a grassroots uh, organization created by religious women in Israel. Um, when we started to see, like, the Judaism that we know and love, we're all religious, and we all are, you know, um, believe in Torah, and we live religious lives, and we started to see, like, our communities kind of being taken over by an extreme interpretation, and I wouldn't even personally say interpretation, but an extreme um, manifestation of what Judaism stands for, so that it was, for example, um, I live in Bachemish. And over the past 11 years that I've lived here, I've seen women disappear, right? So I don't have any um, newsletters or advertisements that come to my home with even a girl on them. And we in Beit Shemesh are much more ahead of the crowd, because I know you guys see it there. Um, but it really started in tense ways here. Um, women and girls are disappearing from advertisements. Women cannot advertise their own businesses with their faces. So their, you know, their names are next to their male uh, compa- compatriots' uh, faces, um, but what, what started to happen was um, it was more than just one thing. It wasn't just pictures. It was women being marginalized. It was extremism taking over. It was, unfortunately, I, I even got a phone call from a friend. Uh, she wasn't a friend at the time. Now she's a friend. I got a phone call from a woman in the Haredi community who said to me, I need your help. I said, I'm happy to help. What can I do? She said, I need you to help me to stop my neighbors from dying of a disease they cannot name. And I was a little bit in shock. I said, well, how can I help you? I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. And she said, it's because we don't know the names for our body parts. It's not Sanua to talk about it. And it's getting worse and worse to the point where women won't even go to a doctor because of Sni'ut. And she said, I'm Haredi, and it's hard for me to say this about my own community, but we're dying because we don't know what to look for. We don't know the, the health, talking about a woman's health is becoming not Tanua. 
and all of these things where, you know, the values of Judaism are beautiful. The value of modesty is beautiful. The value of wanting to to behave well and, and properly is a beautiful thing, but when it becomes warped, it becomes the opposite. Well, when and, it becomes and, damaging. And, and certainly when it costs people their lives, it, it really becomes a problem, as you just described, yeah. because, uh, I mean, I mean and, and what she meant, just to give a you know direct example, uh, there was there could be no discussion in that community of breast cancer screening, for instance, just as an example, because because it was a topic that's not you know shouldn't be spoken about. It should, it should be you know only handled in the most modest way. And the most modest way meant to literally not speak about it. And that's just one example of many. Also, we have to point out that this attitude and and really, I need you to to verify what I'm saying because I'm not living there. I'm six thousand miles away, but you've seen this attitude. Uh, escalate to the point where it's turned into violence, where where people literally are physically attacked because of uh, dressing a certain way, walking on one side of the street as opposed to another. Am, am I right about that, or I'm exaggerating? No, you're not exaggerating. Unfortunately, um, you know, I always say bitch, I'm is the canary in the coal mine, and. I, like I, grew, I grew up in Lakewood, New Jersey, right? So I, I'm very comfortable with, um, we didn't call them Haredim at the time, but ultra-Orthodox or yeshivish, whatever you want to call it. So for me, this was all a very big shock and something I knew didn't have to be. So in Bet unfortunately, um, or there is a, the most extreme sects of Judaism live in this area next to uh, modern Orthodox or, or not religious at all, or, or you know, um, Olim, who are very open-minded because they come from Western uh, countries. And unfortunately, you know, they put up modest, modesty signs which say you can't come here unless you're dressed X, Y, Z. And we've seen actual violence to the point where women have been hit with rocks. You know, religious women, by the way. I mean, I'm not talking, not that it yeah. matters, but no one's walking through a Mappet Shemesh bed in a bikini. Right. These are just women who are going around their daily lives, and they've had rocks thrown at them, and they've been, I was spit on. I cover my hair, I wear long sleeves, and I was spit on uh, as part of a turf war. It's, we don't want you here, and we're going to show you that you don't belong here. And I have to tell you, as someone who's a grandchild of survivors, and whose Yiddish is, for me, something, a beautiful thing that reminds me of my grandparents. I've been called a shiksa, a pritzut, you know, it's so painful the way that Judaism is being warped and taken to its extreme, I don't even want to say it's extreme Judaism, because for me this is not Judaism, and yes, there's been violence, just now on Yom HaTzmaut, last week, um, you have an entire generation of young children who are being taught that we are not them. So they surrounded, they literally waited, uh, you know, lied in wait, they, they pounced on cars, they ripped off flags, they, gone, they, they caused damages, right, and that is eaten, right? They take off the, the, the flags, they're hitting the cars, they're calling girls shiksas. My friend was caught up with her nine-year-old in the car, and now she's terrified of Haredim. Like, the, the, I can't even explain to you the effect it has on the people who are caught up on it, and it's so damaging to all of us. When, when, when we allow this extreme element, and when I started talking about this six years ago, I started writing about it, and people were like, oh, you're being, you know, you're being so ridiculous, it's only a few people, and I don't even believe you, and how could you be so slanderous? And I took a lot of heat, because people felt I was doing something bad by, by exposing this, and I said, please understand, this is painful. This is causing damage to the whole community, and I'm telling you, it's going to get worse, you're going to see it. And everyone said, no, it's not going to come here, it's not going to come here, and now I get almost daily emails or messages from people around the world 
from France, Granada, America, people are saying to me, oh, my God, it's here. I'm seeing it here. There's no girls in, the, in my kid's school book. There's no girls in the, in the um, modern Orthodox um, whatever. And I want to say it's very hard sometimes. People don't understand the connection between, okay, so there's no picture of girls. So what? That doesn't mean you throw a rock. So of course not. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is a gradual attitude that adds a, um, an element of this is how it's supposed to be, right? So if you feel this is how it's supposed to be and girls and women can't be seen, so then when you're taught this over and over again, you don't see them in your uh, textbooks, you don't see them in your magazines, and you're told they can't be here. So if those are your values. You're taught that women can't be seen, they can't be here. And so how far away is that from saying, get out of here because you're ruining my community? And unfortunately, it's not a hypothetical. This is what we see in Batanish. Yeah. We have okay. multiple, I could go on and on. Yeah, let me just, let, <laughs> let, me, let, me get, let me get to the positive element of this. Shoshana Jaskal is with us live via telephone. The, the positive element is that you've created a, um, uh, a video which explains this and which uh, encourages a conference for Israelis and New Yorkers to to come back to the middle, so to speak, to come back to you know to where we need to be when it comes to uh, these types of issues in our community. And if people go uh, to the uh, website ujafedny.org, um, ujafedny.org, you'll see when you get to the website it, right away it says it's all in the family connecting Jewish New Yorkers and Israelis and yours is one of the pitches that can be voted on uh, for this grant money to uh, hopefully put together a, a positive effort, I would hope, uh, in order to um, to help bring awareness to the situation and hopefully uh, you know alleviate things and, and, and make it less painful for people. Um, when people vote for your cause, what are they voting for? So first of all, it's called Orthodoxy Includes Women. It wasn't our choice of title, but that's the title it was given, just so you know. That's what it's called, Orthodoxy right. Includes Women. Um, and basically what we want to do is this. We love, as I said, Judaism and Torah, and the people in Israel and the people who are in America who are seeing the same things, because I see the extremist trends on both ends, and I see the damage that it's causing to the community. We're losing women to this community because the number one reason, according to the uh, Shema, um, poll about why women leave orthodoxy is this whole issue of how women are being treated. And what I see is a lack of leadership. No one's really dealing with this. No one's really saying, listen, we have to talk about these issues. We have to deal with these issues. We have to be proactive about these issues. We can't be reactive. So what I'm, our idea is to take orthodox leadership from uh, America and Israel, men and women at the same table, communal activists, halakhic uh, uh, scholars, and people who know what's happening in these areas, to sit down and say, hey, we have a common goal of a beautiful Jewish community. Let's figure out how to work on this. Let's figure out the way to make this better. Because there are elements in all of our communities who want health. And we all want that, right? At the end of the day, we all want a good Jewish community, a healthy Jewish community where everyone feels good and included as much as we can within halakha. And so I believe strongly that when we sit down at the table together and we talk about these things and we listen to how these things are affecting people in the community, we absolutely can come up with solutions and ideas to alleviate what's happening here 100%. It's not been done yet. Go to ujafedny.org, ujafedny.org. When you log on, you'll immediately see a banner that says it's all in the family. And that is the page where you vote. Shoshana Jaskal, obviously, uh, of Chachmat Nashim, is recommending you vote for the um, 
uh, for the um, the one that's called Orthodoxy Includes Women. Um, there are five causes or initiatives, I should say, up there. One of them is called Orthodoxy Includes Women, and uh, Shoshana is asking everybody to uh, vote for it. And um, uh, this is a unique opportunity where literally the Hamonam, or people who are you know everywhere uh, around the world, could log on and uh, play a role in deciding where this big idea grant money goes and um, and to which organization or initiative it can go to help it grow. Uh, again, it's ujafedny.org, ujafedny.org. You'll see the banner that says it's all in the family. That's where you go to uh, vote on this initiative. Shoshana Jaska, we thank you for joining us and continued thank success. Thank you so much. I hope this vote goes well for you. Uh, Shoshana Jaska of Chachmat Nashim on a Thursday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Me 
J.M. and the A.M. Thursday morning, day 26 in the County of the Omer. Reminder, tomorrow the weekly update starts at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. And Malcolm Holmline, of course, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us for the weekly update. And there's a lot going on. Oh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> so he'll uh, do that with us uh, tomorrow right here at uh, J.M. in the A.M. Make sure to be tuned in. Um, Rebetzin, Dr. Adina Schmidman is with us live via telephone. There is an OU Women's Leadership Summit that is happening uh, starting this coming Monday, May the 20th, at the Woodcliffe Lake, in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey, rather. It's the OU Women's Initiative Lay Leadership Summit 2019. Rebetzin, Dr. Adina Schmidman, welcome back to JM in the AM. It's a pleasure to be with you, Nachum. Listen, I got to tell you, I've said this to you off the air. I think I've even said it on the air. Um, There's no doubt, and you know this. It's not like it's a revelation. There's no doubt when you took this position at the OU that people were wondering if, you know, if, if, you know, if any, how do I put this? If, If any worthwhile programming would be added to the Jewish world you know, due to the founding of your department. Let's put it that way. I'm putting it as mildly as I can. <laughs> Sound, sounds blunt, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even, even the most mild is blunt in this arena. And and look what happened. It's amazing. I said this to you off the air. You have developed uh, initiatives, programs, uh, grants, um, you know, different things that, that, would, that I believe would never have existed if not for the umbrella that you've created at the OU. So kudos to you. It may not sound like it, but trust me, it's a big compliment. Uh, kudos to you and everybody who helped you found this department because it's. A, I think it's incredible the different things that you're doing on a regular basis. It takes an organization. It takes a team. So it's a privilege and also a responsibility. And now we have the OU Women's Initiative Lay Leadership Summit uh, coming up starting this coming Monday. Uh, what is the purpose of the Lay Leadership Summit? So there are three purposes. The first purpose is that we want to nurture and appreciate and recognize our devoted lay leadership for what they do, what they contribute to the community. So it's supporting them and recognizing these women. The second goal is to enhance and provide leadership development opportunities. It's interesting, when we went through the applications, it was a nomination and then an application process, we asked if each woman had had any leadership training. And what was fascinating was out of the 100-plus applications that we received, half of them had never had any leadership development. Now, that doesn't take away from their leadership. It means that they are natural leaders and that they've obviously contributed greatly. But there's always what to learn, and this is an opportunity in this space for uh, sessions 
looking at conflict resolution, fundraising, writing, all sorts of uh, development opportunities in terms of leadership. And then the third opportunity or the third goal is networking and sharing and providing that collaborative space for women to gather and share ideas, share their experiences, and know that there are other women in similar positions like they are. You know, I mean, frankly, I think you could say this about a lot of men in the community as well these days, but it is remarkable um, how people, women and men, are juggling so many different things and have a you know a personal life and a family life. In addition to that, they have the you know the business and professional life. In addition to that, they've got this you know lay leadership life as as you described it. You know, it it really is amazing. And again, I'm saying men and women, but obviously you know uh, you know with with different functions and different uh, and different roles. Um, it, it's incredible just how much people are doing at the same time these days. I once heard a beautiful uh, metaphor from uh, Susie Schwartz, who's the director of alumni at Yeshiva University, and she said that there's a lot of juggling that's going on, and one has to think about what those balls are, and right. are they crystal balls or rubber balls, what can be dropped, what has to be held very carefully and gingerly. There's a lot happening, it really a lot is. happening. By the way, uh, already I'm accusing you of being part of the problem because you are uh, overworking Dr. Erica Brown on the first day of the uh, summit. <laughs> did, did you notice that you have her slated for three speeches in a row? <laughs> we do. We do have her slated for three speeches in a row. Uh, she is we're excited that she's coming. She's heading right out on a flight. So we decided to capitalize on her uh, her skills and her her experience. And being that each session is uh, coming at it from a different angle and it's interactive, uh, I think it's going to be a very worthwhile morning. And then you know that sort of launches us into the rest of the program. Oh, are you kidding? We've had her on. You can listen to her all day long. Um, so she's she's a big part of the uh, early part of the conference, as you mentioned, Allison Josephs, who of course we know very well, member here of the Nahum Siegel Network is going to be doing an extreme makeover orthodox edition. You have breakout sessions that are going to be happening with a lot of distinguished personalities on so many different topics when it comes to leadership and strategy and and um, and the volunteerism, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There'll be a, a share fair. Tell me the purpose of the share fair. The share fair is a space that we're creating if you – want to think of it as a science, sort of using that science fair model right. where women are going to be at tables and other women can walk around and learn about programs that have been going on in other communities and get ideas for their community. And day two, by the way, is, is really more of a focus on the breakout sessions, right? That's where you're really offering a, a, a tremendous variety of of uh, of different topics at different points during the day, and people will be able to, uh, you know, choose what they want to go to and, and really gain from so many different uh, presenters and topics. Exactly. The idea is that the, the the first day is a little bit more theoretical and right. conceptual in terms of leadership, uh, understanding leadership, and the nuances of leadership, and then day two, we're coming more granular, more practical, and then we're ending the program with a jigsaw model where we're having focus groups on different age cohorts and then a inability for each new group that will be reformed to have 
all the cohorts reporting back and sharing with each other. So that's a very interesting group learning model that hopefully will be very effective. Very cool. Dr. Adina Schmidman's with us. All right. Are you happy with the attendance so far? Are you happy with the response? Thrilled. We had set the bar at 70 women, which means not just 70 women. The women are coming in from everywhere, right. Dallas, Houston, right. Omaha, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, Seattle, Norfolk, uh, and, of course, New York and New Jersey. Right. Uh, we have three international participants. Uh, a woman representing the chief rabbi's office in London wow. uh, is coming and joining us. We have a woman from South Africa who was nominated by the chief rabbi of South Africa and a woman from Israel, uh, in addition to uh, Canadian representation. So when we, we set the bar at 70, we are uh, over 90 huh. women and just absolutely thrilled. And the idea that we have women from all over the map is suggests that it's not just the reach of touching one person, we're touching and impacting, hopefully, communities around the world. Well, really nice. And by the way, uh, there's a discussion on day one on work-life balance or imbalance, and our very own Miriam L. Wallach is part of that. And we here are always amazed at how she's able to juggle everything. So if you get any insight into that, let me know. Uh, we, sounds we, good. <laughs> we, we, we always sit here in wonderment. Uh, it's all happening starting Monday. Now, if you're over what you originally expected, is this completely sold out? What do we tell people who want to now, you know, whose interest has been piqued because of this conversation? I would suggest that they keep their ear out for next year. We are really, uh, at this point, uh, full. Uh, we're thrilled to say that. We will obviously, uh, hopefully, with great success, roll this program again. Very cool. All right, the OU Women's Initiative Lay Leadership Summit. It's Monday and Tuesday of next week. Dr. Rebitson, Adina Schmidman, we say good luck to you and all the ladies who are uh, in charge uh, of this really wonderful summit. Uh, good luck, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you always for your positivity and your enthusiasm. Appreciate that. More coming up. It's a Thursday at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Sphere of Format Thursday. One week from today, Lag Bomer. Could you imagine? Yeah, we finally get back into our regular format, which I can't wait for, frankly. Uh, <laughs> nothing against the wonderful acapella groups that we have. Hey, don't forget this coming Sunday, it's OLOXC. The OL Extreme Challenge Classic happens up at Camp Cayley. There are almost 3,000 donors. There are over 460 participants. It's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. And they're getting close to half a million dollars already. Um, if you haven't sponsored a participant or a team yet, go to uh, ohloxc.org, ohloxc.org, and uh, participate. It's really amazing. Yesterday, Rabbi Brander was in studio. I alluded to the uh, article at the Jerusalem Post wrote about Artura Stone. Some 90 Jewish communities across six continents will participate in the celebration of the 20th anniversary of an emissary program for rabbis and educators this Shabbat, which has sent hundreds of graduates from Israel around the world to strengthen Jewish communities. And uh, that article was written by um, uh, Jeremy Sharon, and it's in reference, of course, to this coming Shabbat. And we take this opportunity to wish a very, very Big Mazel Tov and happy anniversary to Rabbi Brander and, of course, Rabbi Riskin, the uh, founder and, uh, at one point, the chancellor of uh, Stone and this amazing accomplishment. And it was great having Rabbi Brander in studio yesterday. 
Uh, I remind everybody that Sharsheret has their high anniversary event this coming Sunday starting at 10 a.m. at the Teaneck Marriott at Glen Point. Uh, we always encourage our listeners to give and to uh, participate by going to the event. Mazel tov to Shari and uh, Nathan Lindenbaum, Dr. Biaviva Preminger, and uh, Racheli bloom Paleoff all being honored this coming Sunday at the Teaneck Marriott at Glen Point. Information, go to sharsheret.org. Simple as that. It's all there on the website, sharsheret.org, uh, for info. I want to thank those out there in our audience, those of you who have responded already to our spring fundraiser. Thank you. It only started a little over a week ago, and already we are, thank God, being inundated with uh, wonderful uh, donations, and I thank everybody who's participated so far. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, and we ask that you please return the envelope. Um, with the um, uh, with your donation, the envelope that had the uh, Nahum Siegel Network car magnet and Nahum Siegel Network luggage tag in it. Hope you had a chance to enjoy those. Um. And also, if you haven't had an opportunity, uh, one of the ways you can donate and support us during this fundraiser is by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And if you would do that, we would be extremely appreciative, fjbunity.org. And again, thanks to everybody who's been responding uh, to our uh, spring fundraiser so far. It's much appreciated. Um... What else did I want to mention here? Oh, uh, Senator Felder, who joined us last week, Senator Simcha Felder in New York, <clears throat> excuse me, reminds everybody that there will be a free cholesterol and glucose screening happening in Borough Park today starting at 1030 in the morning. Um, That happens from 10.30 until 1.30 at 4623 16th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. So that is happening uh, later today. And uh, also tonight is the National Founders Gala. I want to wish a mazel tov to Rabbi Hurston and everybody who's going to be part of the Rabbinical College of America's uh, National Founders Gala at the Robert Treat Center in Newark. Mazel tov to uh, Ziggy Wilf. Uh, who is being honored tonight at that event. Mazal tov to him and the entire Will family. And to First Lady Tammy Snyder-Murphy, First Lady of New Jersey, who are both being recognized tonight. And again, to Rabbi Hurston and everybody who's part of the uh, celebration this evening, we say Mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. All righty, more coming up. You're listening to a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM. Oh, yeah. Shabbat Shalom. 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at com on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up another amazing edition of JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tomorrow we're back. Weekly update starts at... Um, 7.40 Eastern Time, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us for that. Make sure to be tuned in. Plenty happening now. Charlie Harari next with Unlocking Greatness. Michael Fragan with Spin Class. Jew in the City Speaks, Allison Josephs. And That's Life with Miriam Al-Wallach with noted author and illustrator Ann Kofsky. A very timely and interesting discussion coming up that I can guarantee you. 10.30 this morning on That's Life. We'll do the uh, live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.